0: Thank you so much, General Wolski. Uh, Reinhardt, it's good to see you again. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's always a pleasure to be back in uh, Germany. And uh, thank you so much for inviting me to the Berlin Security Conference. I'm also delighted, of course, that uh, Norway uh, is supporting this year's uh, Berlin Security Conference. Germany is a key NATO ally that makes significant contributions to our alliance. Your leadership uh, is more important than ever as we face uh, the, most secure, the most serious security situation in uh, decades, and uh, we need to stand together and act together in the face of these uh, extremely uh, challenging uh, security uh, challenges president putin 's war of aggression um, has shattered peace in Europe with uh, long-lasting shockwaves for global security. I'm uh, coming from um, uh, our foreign ministerial meeting in Bucharest, where, uh, where we discussed uh, earlier this week uh, how we could ensure that we continue to provide uh, support to Ukraine, and it was a clear and strong message from all allies that we will sustain our support and continue to bolstering our defences in a more uh, dangerous and uh, competitive world. Thanks to the heroic uh, resistance of the Ukrainian people and the unprecedented support from NATO allies, Ukraine has made significant gains. But we should not underestimate Russia. Russian missiles and drones continue to rain down on Ukrainian cities, civilians and critical infrastructure causing enormous human suffering as winter sets in. I welcome uh, Germany's strong support for Ukraine, with significant financial, humanitarian and military aid, including advanced air defence systems and training for Ukrainian soldiers. We see the difference this makes every day on the battlefield. And it is important to further step up and sustain our support. Yes, our support comes with a price. These are tough times for many around the world, including here in Germany, with rising costs of living, food and energy prices. But the price we pay is in money while the price the Ukrainians pay is in blood. If authoritarian regimes see that force is rewarded, we will all pay a much higher price, and the world will become a more dangerous world for all of us. There can be no lasting peace if the aggressor wins, if oppression and autocracy prevail over freedom and democracy so the best way to support lasting peace is to support ukraine the russian invasion <laughs> the russian invasion of ukraine did not come as a surprise months before the attack nato shared intelligence showing that russia was planning to invade Ukraine. And despite all our efforts to find a diplomatic solution, Putin went ahead with his plans. NATO was well prepared. Within hours after the invasion, we activated our defence plans and deployed thousands of troops to the eastern part of the alliance, supported by substantial air and naval capabilities. To send a clear message to Moscow, and prevent escalation of the war beyond Ukraine Sorry. and prevent escalation beyond Ukraine. Germany's uh, decision to substantially increase defence spending uh, is historic, with investments in new fighter jets, helicopters, ships and submarines. This is truly a excitement. A turning point that reflects our changed security environment. Germany plays a critical role in the strengthening of deterrence and defense, leading our battle group in Lithuania, assigning a combat brigade to reinforce if needed, providing more jets for our air policing and strengthening our air defenses. All these efforts need to be stepped up and sustained. We need a strong and a ready Bundeswehr, with high-end capabilities across all domains. We need a strong and robust defence industry that can deliver on the requirements based on clear and sustainable demand signals. This matters for Germany's security, it matters for Europe's security, and it matters for global security. The war in Ukraine has also demonstrated our dangerous dependency on Russian gas. This should lead us to assess our dependencies on other authoritarian states, not least China, for our supply chains, technology, and infrastructure. We will, of course, continue to trade and engage economically with China, but we have to be aware of our dependencies, reduce our vulnerabilities, and manage the risks. So ladies and gentlemen, as Europe's largest economy and a responsible global actor, I count on Germany, as I count on all allies to stay the course in Ukraine to further strengthen our collective defence and to bolster the resilience of our societies. So thank you and I look forward to your questions. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much indeed Mr. Secretary General for sharing your oversight and means and ways ahead for NATO and us. Ladies and gentlemen, Secretary General Stoltenberg was so kind to give us some minutes for questions and answers. There's uh, microphones in the the hallways and uh, so most for us this is a rare chance to ask. Microphones are being brought to you. I would kindly ask to introduce yourself with name and profession, activity, and to ask one question. Please, the floor is open.
2: Hello, uh, I'm Nicholas Chatyashvili, representing Parliament of Georgia. First of all, thank you for your uh, for your introductory speech, and thank you for your support towards Georgia. Actually, I have two questions. Uh, the question, first question is: Do you think that it was a mistake not to grant Georgia uh, MAP in 2008? And, and my another question is. <coughs> Uh, how do you see the uh, role of Georgia in uh, Black Sea security in a short-term ex- uh, term period? Thank you.
1: Microphone, please.
0: I think this works. Yeah. yeah. First of all, Georgia is a highly valued partner for uh, NATO, and uh, we are actually stepping up our uh, cooperation with Georgia. That was a clear message from the summit uh, of NATO leaders in uh, Madrid uh, in June, and it was reiterated at the foreign ministerial meeting I just uh, came uh, from in in Bucharest earlier this uh, week. Where also the Georgian uh, foreign minister participated, And uh, it was a clear message that we need to do uh, more together with uh, Georgia. Uh, We uh, have strengthened our political uh, cooperation, our practical uh, support, uh, and uh, and also uh, 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 realizing, of course, that that is reflecting the fact that uh, the whole Black Sea region is of great strategic importance for the alliance. Um, NATO in general has increased its presence in the Black Sea region, Uh, Both, of course, uh, because we have three literal states, uh, uh, Turkey, uh, Bulgaria, and Romania uh, as members, but also, of course, uh, because both Ukraine and uh, and, uh, Georgia are uh, uh, close and valued uh, partners. Um, uh, We uh, will continue to step up, and uh, not least uh, in face of the aggressive policies of Russia, we see the importance of working with partners like like, uh, Georgia.
1: Thank you. Next question is at the 8th row, then Doctor, uh, General Dr. Olshausen and then the 5th five, five row. So please.
3: Thank you very much for your um, comments, uh, Secretary General. My name is Robert von Coedel, um, company Kubota. I would like to ask you, what are your views on strengthening the resilience also in our societies, in our Western societies to keep up um, the activities of NATO uh in, in this uh, brutal war?
0: Well, uh, it works. Yeah. Uh, the resilience is a very important part of our security. We cannot have strong defences without having uh, strong societies. Uh, therefore, resilience has been on the top of the NATO agenda for a long time, but of course uh, in the security environment where you face more hybrid threats where we also see uh, the vulnerabilities and the challenges in cyberspace, resilience has uh, become uh, even more important. So therefore in NATO we have developed resilience guidelines, we have focused on how to protect critical infrastructure uh, and uh, 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 and, and, uh, as uh, as Minister Graham just mentioned also the uh, challenges faced um, uh, related to undersea infrastructure, pipelines, uh, cables, Uh, So uh, we need to uh, focus on resilience. This is also linked uh, to how we uh, engage economically with uh, authoritarian powers. Uh, Free trade has served us all well. Uh, I still believe that we uh, benefit from free trade, but we need to realise that when we engage economically with authoritarian powers like uh, Russia on gas... Or like with China on some critical commodities, rare earth minerals for instance, it has consequences for our securities. So these decisions cannot only be made based on commercial considerations, you have to take into account the security consequences of for instance being uh, dependent on Russian gas or over dependent on some specific commodities from, uh, from China. So. Resilience is about um, many aspects, including trade uh, and economy. Thank you very much. Then, Lieutenant General uh, retired. Dr. Olshausen
1: retired. <laughs> you spoke about the rain of rockets and missiles and on strengthening the air defense. Wouldn't uh, we need to look at hitting not only the flying missiles, but hit the launching places from
0: where they come? NATO is not party to the conflict in Ukraine. Uh, We have no troops uh, and we have no presence in the air of Ukraine. What NATO does is that we support Ukraine in its right for self-defense, a right which is enshrined in the uh, UN Charter. Uh, And then we provide support uh, to Ukraine with weapons that help them to defend themselves. And that includes, of course, also Uh, Air defense systems, artillery, uh, uh, HIMARS, and also a lot of advanced uh, weapon systems. And I would like to praise and commend Germany for being one of the uh, allies that uh, is uh, uh, providing uh, the most uh, when it comes to uh, different types of uh, weapons, uh, ammunition, uh, military support to Ukraine. And we have seen that this has made a huge difference on the ground. Uh, uh, by being able to push back the the Russian uh, troops, uh, uh, the invading forces, first in the north uh, around uh, uh, Kiev, then in the east around Kharkiv, and then in the south around uh, Kherson. Uh, It's not for us to decide. What matters is that we enable the Ukrainians to uh, defend themselves, and the message from NATO allies is that we will sustain, step up, and ensure Uh, that uh, Ukraine uh, gets uh, weapons, uh, ammunition, uh, and that we are ready to uh, support them for as long as it takes.
1: I think the gentleman here, then Bob Walter, then the gentleman there, and then two gentlemen at fifth and sixth rows.
3: Klaus Wittmann, former uh, Brigadier General. I teach contemporary history at Potsdam University, and this semester, recent history of Ukraine. Sir, apart from air defence and artillery, it is clear that Ukraine also needs armoured combat vehicles. And since the German government does not want to go it alone, the European Council on Foreign Relations has made the proposals that 13 European leopard nations get together and act as a kind of consortium and deliver uh, uh, armoured um, vehicles uh, together.
0: What do you think about that proposal? NATO allies and partners have delivered armoured vehicles. Um, uh, and uh, uh, allies, uh, just at, at, the, at the meeting we had uh, this week, uh, I think it was Slovakia uh, that announced that they were uh, going to deliver uh, more armoured vehicles. Uh, so, uh, and, and we have also delivered a, a lot of a, advanced uh, weapon systems uh, and we see that this is making a huge difference on the uh, battlefield every day. Uh, and I will not go into the exact specifics of the types of weapons we are uh, considering, but uh, allies are constantly considering uh, different types of uh, weapons. Uh, We are also in close dialogue with uh, Ukraine. We had uh, Minister Koleba at the meeting in Bucharest. We meet in this, what we call the Rammstein format, uh, led by the United States. Uh, And and, and all in all, I think that... uh, Um, uh, What we have seen is an unprecedented level of military support. President Putin made two big strategic mistakes when he invaded uh, Ukraine. The first big uh, strategic mistake was to underestimate uh, Ukraine. The courage, the commitment, uh, the the bravery of the Ukrainian armed forces, the Ukrainian people, the Ukrainian political leadership. The other big uh, uh, strategic mistake he, he made was to underestimate NATO, NATO allies and partners in our unity and our resolve to provide support to Ukraine. Uh, so, yes, I absolutely understand the need to discuss and to address uh, uh, the specific systems. Uh, um, but we have provided already a lot of advanced systems, including armoured uh, vehicles. And uh, and uh, and thirdly, uh, or uh, one more point on this, is that it is important to discuss what kind of additional systems we should provide. And there's a constant discussion and dialogue with Ukraine on that. Uh, but I think as important as delivering new systems – it is extremely important to make sure that the systems you already deliver function. Uh, because we have actually delivered a lot of systems. Mm. Uh, and they need, as you know, they need ammunition. Uh, they need spare parts. They need maintenance. So one of the huge challenges to ensure that all the systems which are already in place are actually functioning as they should. That's a huge logistical uh, 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 challenge. I'm not saying not new systems doesn't matter, but I'm saying to ensure that all the systems which are in place function is uh, extremely important and we, are for, uh, and we are focusing on that too.
1: Okay. Um, first uh, Bob Walter, then uh, the gentleman here, then the two gentlemen, five, six, and uh, Dr. Atzbuddin with the last question, I guess, because we have uh, uh, to, to uh, uh, close this session. So, one, two, three, four, five. Please make it short.
3: Okay, um, Secretary General, uh, thank you for your address. Um, Robert Walter, I am uh, uh, from the European Security and Defense Association and also President of uh, Euro Defense uh, United Kingdom. Um, we have seen the Ukraine crisis create uh, unprecedented cooperation between NATO and the European Union because there is a common threat assessment in both organizations. And I think, uh, and I would like your comments on this, that this is an opportunity. You are originally from Norway, I am from the United Kingdom, for the the European nations in NATO to build a stronger European pillar using the resources of the member states of both the European Union and of NATO and the EU institutions themselves and put us beyond criticism if by chance there should be a change of administration in the United States in two
0: years' time? So, first of all, I strongly uh, welcome stronger NATO-EU cooperation, and over the last years we have been able to lift NATO-EU cooperation up to unprecedented levels. Uh, on a wide range of issues uh, from uh, cyber, maritime, resilience uh, and in many other areas. We work together in in the Balkans, you have the NATO presence in Kosovo, you have the support in the EU diplomatic efforts Uh, and also as you uh, alluded to, of course uh, the way we work together uh, in providing support to Ukraine demonstrates uh, how strong and how important the uh, NATO-EU cooperation is And, uh, and, and this is something I have personally also... Uh, strongly uh, worked for for all of my years uh, as sector general. So that's that's obvious. Uh, Then I also welcome more uh, EU efforts on defence, as long as that doesn't duplicate um, uh, uh, NATO efforts, Uh, because uh, uh, we need to realise that NATO remains the bedrock uh, for uh, European and transatlantic uh, security. Um, And uh, if, uh, as long as European efforts on defense means uh, things like, for instance, increased defense spending, any meaningful increased European efforts on defense has to come with increased defense spending. There is one organization that has been calling for increased European defense spending for decades, and that is NATO. So, of course, we welcome that. That Germany and other European allies spend more on defense. Good. Uh, if it means that uh, European allies are uh, providing more capabilities, more, more battle tanks, more ammunition, more readiness more, uh, forces, also great. It's absolutely in line with what NATO has been asking for for many years. And we see that allies are spending more, European allies are spending more, and they're also providing new capabilities. We strongly welcome that. And also if European defence um, means that, for instance, you're addressing the fragmentation of the European defence industry – it is a great advantage for all of us, uh, as you, we, we all know. Uh, the United States they have very m- many battle tanks, one main type. In Europe, we have quite few battle tanks and and and, and uh, uh, seven different types. So, of course, the cost uh, per unit, uh, there is no uh, economy of scale. Uh, 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 maintenance, spare parts, all education, all of that becomes extremely difficult. Uh, when we have this uh, fragmentation. So all of these are extremely good uh, initiatives when it comes to uh, 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 European defence uh, efforts. What we must prevent is duplication and competition. So, um, uh, 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 for instance, to have uh, another intervention force, NATO, so we have an in- in the intervention force, and that is the NATO response force. And every time Europe needs that force, we are there. In Bosnia and Herzegovina and Kosovo, you have to remember that the Libya operation, that was not a NATO operation originally. It was a European initiative. And after some time, they, went, they came to NATO and asked for help. And then we supported uh, the Libya operation. So, so I'm only saying that uh, uh, we have uh, uh, an intervention force. We have a command structure. And we should do a NATO command structure, NATO uh, uh, readiness force. So we should do nothing that is duplicating and competing with that. Uh, and then, uh, more fundamentally, we need to realise that that um, 80% of NATO's defence spending is coming from non-EU allies. So, of course, we welcome the efforts of the uh, of the EU members, and I call on them to do more every day. But it but but it represents 20%. Uh, and then. And then one more thing on this is that that, um, uh, yes, of course, there may be elections in uh, both Europe and in North America where you elect people who are not, as I say, enthusiastically in favor of NATO. That has happened before. It may happen again. But if you are concerned about that, you should not do anything which is weakening the institutionalized bond between Europe and North America. If you reduce the transatlantic idea to kind of bilateral personal relationship, then we are vulnerable. But if we have strong institutions, and that institution is NATO, because that's the only truly transatlantic institution, then we can weather storms. The reality is that, yes, we had President Trump, and, 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 and there were what I say, questions asked, but NATO survived. We actually strengthened the presence of uh, NATO troops in Europe uh, over those years. So so, uh, any indication that that Europe can go alone can just weaken the transatlantic bond. So I strongly believe in NATO. I strongly believe in in Europe and uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, North America working together. I don't believe in Europe alone, as I don't believe in uh, America alone. I believe in Europe and North America together in NATO. I need to safeguard that. Thank you. Congratulations, sir, uh, for your speech. Uh, I'm Colonel Leasites from uh, Defence Attaché from uh, Republic of Cyprus, and uh, from my country, we strongly support this cooperation with Europe for Ukraine. My question is, uh, as we have occupation from uh, an alien, NATO alien, Turkey, that is a candidate country in Europe, 48 years now, do you think that uh, it's time to support Cyprus problem for the reunification of Cyprus after 48 years? Thank you. So we strongly support the UN efforts to try to find a negotiated and peaceful uh, solution. I think that's the only way to address uh, uh, the, the challenges and the, and the uh, uh, unsolved uh, issues uh, in Cyprus, and that's uh, also why we uh, welcome those efforts. We ha- there have been different initiatives, and I think uh, that remains the, the only way to solve. Uh, um, the challenges and, and, uh, and the conflict in Cyprus.
1: The gentleman, I think, row five and six was, yeah, please. Dr.
0: Atford, you are,
1: there's one, and then you close the session. Okay.
0: Thank you, sir, very much for a very good speech. Svary from Conspirate Defence and Aerospace. I've spent about 40 years in the Norwegian Armed Forces, and it's understandable that we're now focusing on the current and the mi- short-term issues. So what are your thoughts for a new security architecture in Europe, considering that maybe over dramatise a little bit, but the one we have is actually in shambles, where the CFE and a lot of the other treaties basically have been pushed aside. And as some have commented on both today and yesterday, um, we don't necessarily cooperate the way we used to, and what is then the future for us. Thank you. One important element, part of a European security architecture is NATO. And if anything, um, the war in Ukraine has just highlighted, uh, demonstrated the importance of uh, maintaining NATO as a pillar of European security. Uh, with North America, with Canada, with the United States, uh, we see all the support they provide to, uh, to Ukraine. We see that, uh, that NATO has been able to significantly increase its military presence in the eastern part of alliance to prevent escalation of the war. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fully aware of that NATO is not the whole European uh, security architecture because you have institutions as uh, OCE and so on. But an extremely important part of uh, any meaningful European security architecture is NATO. And NATO is more vital, stronger, more uh, agile than it's been for decades. Because we, the war didn't start in February this year. The war started in 2014. That was when Russia uh, annexed uh, Crimea and, uh, and actually started to control uh, parts of uh, eastern Donbas. Since then, NATO has uh, 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 under, uh, we have implemented the biggest reinforcement of collective defence, the biggest adaptation of alliance since the end of the Cold War, with battle groups in the eastern part of the alliance, with increased defence spending, with high readiness, uh, and, and 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 more U.S. Uh, North American presence. We have we have a U.S.-led battle group in Poland. Uh, we have a Canadian-led led battle group in, in in Latvia. So you have more North America in Europe now than it had for many many years. I say this because sometimes you speak about European security architecture, something abstract and something also, uh, yeah, for academics. So it's it, it, it very good. But 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 it it's very also, it's very much about NATO. And NATO is there more than we have seen for many decades. Uh, Then, of course, there are also other elements, and that includes not least uh, uh, Russia, Russia, how how to relate to Russia. And that has been shattered uh, by the war uh, in Ukraine. Uh, For many years, NATO strived for a more constructive uh, uh, relationship with Russia, for dialogue with Russia. I I was prime minister when uh, President Putin and and Medvedev attended NATO summits. I just came from Bucharest, as I told you, when I was there at the summit in 2008. Uh, President Putin was there in Lisbon, uh, Medvedev attended. Uh, uh, That world doesn't exist anymore. Um, um, uh, Because uh, uh, with uh, the invasion of Ukraine, that whole idea of a meaningful dialogue with Russia isn't shattered also it's, it has been smashed, smashed destroyed by uh, by uh, by Russia at the same time we need to maintain military lines of communications to prevent escalation to prevent uh, incidents we saw the incident in in Poland we need to uh, do whatever we can to uh, have instance accident that can spiral out of control so we need military lines of uh, communication uh, I see Uh, General Breedlow is here in the audience. Uh, He was active uh, speaking to his Russian counterparts when he was uh, the supreme commander of uh, of NATO. We need to have that lines of communications. And, of course, we also need to continue to uh, engage with Russia on issues like arms control. Uh, so, um, So the one part, NATO is as strong as ever. The other part of the European security architecture, this cooperation with Russia as is, it's not functioning. Uh, Russia has walked away uh, from the meaningful dialogue, but we need a minimum of uh, contact, uh, military lines of communications, and uh, for instance to address um, uh, issues like uh, arms control. So that was,
1: okay, thank. So closing question by Dr. Atspoudin, please.
2: Hans Azbudin, I'm representing the Federation of German Defence Industry and
1: Security Industry.
2: Um, Secretary General, the question I have is regarding the Green Deal of the EU. The Green Deal has turned out to be a very powerful uh, transformation agent for our societies and uh, it means that on the one hand uh, ministries have to become climate neutral, companies like our member companies have to, become, uh, ESG, you know, have to get ESG conformity, which we are really doing. However, we are producing weapons and uh, our financial sector Uh, categorizes weapons, even if they are in order to uh, help our armed forces to fulfill their NATO task, uh, tend to categorize those weapons as non-sustainable. What can NATO do in order to bridge this kind of
0: gap? So you are raising a very important uh, issue, and that is that uh, uh, I have also the defense industry, represented by you and others, they have... uh, raised with me several times. We had a big conference uh, in Rome some time ago, I had meetings with a lot of defence executives actually in Brussels just a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and they raised like, exactly the same issue, that they have problems with getting financing, uh, investments, uh, because they they don't fulfil these uh, uh, ASG uh, uh, guidelines, and there have also been some questions about the EU taxonomy. Uh, uh, we have engaged uh, with the European Union uh, on those issues, uh, uh, raised our concerns. The European Union is now looking into it, working on it, and some, uh, some actions have been taken to, to make it easier for the defence industry to uh, get uh, finance. Um, this is partly about government regulations, but it's also very much about what private financial companies decide themselves without any government regulations. So I think this is partly to address uh, governments. We are doing that as, as an alliance uh, and the European Union, they are very much aware and they're working on the issue to try to avoid that kind of, as I say, unintended effects. Um, uh, uh, and, uh, and we need also to then address uh, the financial uh, sector because it is absolutely meaning, also there's no meaning in saying that uh, we should make it harder, more difficult to invest in the defence industry. We need those uh, capabilities. Uh, of course, it's always nicer to invest in health and infrastructure and, and education. But when there is a full-fledged war going on in Ukraine, the way to save life is to give them ammunition, to, to give them air defense. And, uh, and that's the brutal reality, like it or not. If you look at the opinion polls, people understand this. They don't regard the defense industry from NATO allied other countries as something which is not sustainable. The reality is that the only way to sustain peace is to invest in defense. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and rest assured, we, we are working hard on that. And, of course, um, uh, uh, we have seen a transition where the defense industry was state-owned. Uh, then uh, many of them have been more uh, 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 private-owned. But, of course, we cannot end up in a situation where the defense industry is not able to get private capital and then end all as state-owned again. Uh, because the private financial market has some idea of what is sustainable, so they just have to change the idea of what, what is sustainable, and, 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 and make it easier to invest in the in defence industry.
1: Mr. Secretary-General, Secretary thank you very much indeed for your briefing and frank answers uh, to the audience of the Berlin Security Conference and we wish you good luck and Godspeed uh, for the Alliance driving forward and the cohesion of the Alliance. Thank you very much indeed, sir.